As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast. Mike Sandoz, senior writer from The Athletic, along with the GM, Randy Mueller. And we're back, Randy. The band is back together after, I don't know, you've been celebrating, I'm sure, as I have, picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I think that was our last podcast, Super Bowl week. But uh, good to be back, huh? Yeah, very good to be back. We're kind of celebrating our win. We both picked the Chiefs, so (laughs) that's the only time we both were right, I think, all year long. (laughs) Well, no, you probably like, picked them, and I just went along. Yeah, I just went along. Stuff to hit on, and and yeah. uh, heck, what what better time than to, to rekindle it and start during free agency and the whole bit? So I'm I'm excited about it. Absolutely, you know, I just love. We've got so much going on every day. We got quarterback signing, we got franchise tags, we got stuff tucked away in the GM notebook. But I think we're obviously going to get to all of those uh, quarterback signings for sure. The decision on Lamar Jackson. Well, we mentioned, you know, Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, all of that. I kind of wanted to start out, though, with a maybe an overarching one over all of these uh, quarterback deals. Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Geno Smith. See what the GM thinks here. I was actually talking to someone, Randy, uh, you know, who's in the industry and he's and he knew I was doing the podcast. He goes, ooh. Ask Randy. I want to know what Randy thinks. <laughs> is. So it's probably going to be summarily dismissed by uh, by Judge Mueller, as usual. No. Uh, but uh, uh, so anyway, here here's here's the thought on what's going on with these contracts. See what see what you think, Randy. So the, the little headline I put in here is the 2024 quarterback draft looming now. So to set this up, the NIL stuff in college football. Um, has given incentive for some players to stay a little bit longer. And so uh, there's some thought, certainly by people who recruit these uh, quarterbacks as agents or uh, in the league, that uh, some of the guys who might have come out this year um, did not return. They ended up returning to college. And so maybe there's a few quarterbacks that are going to be drafted relatively early this year in 2023, but then there's a big drop-off because some of those guys that were on the fringes or might've gone whenever uh, later first round we could, we could envision aren't coming out. So if you're one of these teams signing a Daniel Jones or a Derek Carr or a Geno Smith, 
Um, if you look at the structure of these deals, they're ones the teams can get out of pretty easily after a couple of years. For example, if they thought, you know what, we're not really in position to get a quarterback in the draft this year. Maybe we don't like the quarterbacks in this draft, but there's not enough of them. 2024 may be a better quarterback draft year with more of them in there. So you have Derek Carr, four-year deal. Team can get out after two, save a ton under the cap. Giants, four-year deal, Daniel Jones. Team can get out after two, save a ton under the cap. The CX deal with Geno Smith isn't even that. They could they could get out after one or two. It's basically, it was told to me before it came out that it was one year 25. It's obviously three and 75, but there's flexibility. So I'm just curious from your standpoint, Randy, in the GM chair, does that add up? And then how much, when you're looking at like a situation this year, would you take into account the next year's draft or, you know, a bigger picture than just what's available now? I think those are all good points. And I do think I would agree with most of them. You have to have a bird's eye view when you look at really solving, especially the quarterback, but high skilled positions, you're not just going to settle. Right. And so I think you're probably right. Um, In this case, unless you're the Rams who were able to acquire Matthew Stafford and win a Super Bowl. For the most part, if you look at the quarterback landscape the last couple of years and the teams who have added new quarterbacks, it really hasn't been successful. Change at that position takes time, in my opinion. And I think what you saw a lot is teams like the Giants, teams like the Seahawks, uh, especially, they, they were looking to minimize change, not take steps back for different reasons, I think, but um, and decided that, hey, let's invest in the guys we have at a number that we can use to continue to build our team. But I think you're correct. I think at the end of the day, when the NFL evaluators get involved in this, which includes some coaches, I don't think it's going to be a great group of quarterbacks for this year's draft. I chuckle every time I hear, most of the time it's from media source, I'll I'll hear somebody on TV say, well, this guy is great. He He is a prospect. He's a little bit of a project, but I would rather have picked him than have to play against him in a couple of years. I got news for you. That might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard <laughs> because there is no way you're going to pick a project in the first round. We see how that goes. We see how it went for teams who picked projects in the third round last year. So you're just not going to waste a first round pick on somebody that can't play at the level you need him to play at now and bank that you can develop them better than anybody else. That's just not going to happen. So, I think that's a that's a pie in the sky type approach that teams just won't do. And I think you're right. And we saw some of these teams decide that the options out there, whether it's draft, whether it's another free agent from another team, just weren't up to what we are right now. So let's nail down the guys we have. Let's continue to build around him and not take a step back and move on. Uh, you saw what, what yeah. the commanders have done. They, they've wandered around and and whiffed on quarterbacks for two or three years now. Same with the Colts. They've wandered around and and they're, you know, no further along either. So these teams that have have taken swings at other players who may have flaws, other quarterbacks, it just hasn't worked out. So I think they're better off. And I can make a case for for all these deals having been done that they make sense, including the Saints who who really had nothing and were able to jumpstart their whole situation and I know we'll talk about it by getting an early yep. early window into Derek Carr's world and they were able to make that happen. So I don't disagree with what you're saying. And we definitely will get into each of those deals and, and the dynamics in greater detail. One of the things you said that 
caught my attention. Uh, and I, I love you. Know, you're just a truth teller on the quarterbacks in the draft. I mean, uh, so you haven't you haven't fully evaluated the college guys this year, right? Correct. I've Re- seen correction. I've seen one or two of them, but yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't take a stand until I see all yeah. the tape yeah. where I felt really comfortable. But but the odds are just the, the odds are that you're not going to come out of this going, oh wow, there's four guys I would take in the top five. The, uh, the odds are not that. So, and yet when we hear people talk about the draft, we got a bunch of these guys bunched up there. So it'll be interesting when we get into it, um, you know, how that's going to fall. I remember last year you said, uh, you know, the, the Steelers, uh, Kenny Pickett was the only one who'd go in the, you'd take in the first round. And what do you know? He was the only one in the first round. So it'll be very interesting when you look at these guys, you know, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and, and yep. Will Levis and, and, uh, and, and Richard, Anthony Richardson, I can't wait to see where you eval them and how early you'd be comfortable taking them. That's going to be a huge fun thing we do probably coming up here on, on a, on a future edition. Of, well, uh, yeah. And I'd like to get it done by next week. I don't want to promise you, but I've got about 12 yeah. hours of flying here to do over the next few yeah. days. And so I, I love to look at tape and there's no better place yeah. than on an airplane to, to knock it hey. out. And, I mean, and especially with all of these evaluations coming out on Twitter, I mean, you, this has got to get you just going, I got to look at, I can't stand this. I got to look at this. There's no way this could be uh, the way that it is. So, and that's right. Randy is, uh, your title is not general manager of the XFL CLC Dragons, but is that effectively what it is? <laughs> yeah, that is definitely effective what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Unless you're going to give me the title of fixer, fix problems, <laughs> that, that well, might be more apropos, you know? I mean, you're basically you've you've been a GM in the NFL with and without the GM title. I mean, you were yeah, certainly the GM right. in Seattle without the title. You were the GM uh, in other places with the title. So yeah, I so knew titles that's, don't mean much, is what you're saying, and I totally <laughs> well, agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, that's what you're doing. So we got XFL, we got games on Thursdays, we got games on Saturdays. Um, I'm I live in the Seattle area, hoping to get out there. Maybe we'll get out to a game. Uh, yeah, pretty we've soon. got a couple coming up in the next 10 days. So yeah. I'm going to use those flight flights to uh, study a little quarterback college can't stuff and wait. talk about them next week. Okay, so let's go from there. I can't wait. We're look at that. We, you know, we're we're already teasing uh, that for next week. Love it. Uh, but let's get into the Baltimore Ravens using the non-exclusive franchise tag for quarterback Lamar Jackson. And what that means, there's two ways that you can use a franchise tag on a quarterback. Non-exclusive means uh, you promise him a one-year deal at a lower number, but he can go out there and talk to other teams. Uh, He could sign an offer with a different team. And as long as that team has first-round picks in the next two drafts, uh, the Ravens could then decide to match the offer, or they could say, nope, and they would get that signing team's First round picks this year, next year, a little bit more complicated if the offer was made after the draft this year. Then we're talking about later picks, or you could do the exclusive franchise offer, which would be for a higher price, and then Lamar Jackson could not negotiate with anyone else. He'd basically uh, just be able to play uh, for the Ravens. So they did the non-exclusive route, and it's really created a little bit of uh, uh, you know some waves in the water here as everyone tries to figure out. Uh, what is going on? Um, it seems to me that Randy, that the Ravens don't think another team is going to really give him the fully guaranteed deal he wants. They probably are stuck. He doesn't have an agent. This lets him maybe get something going. Maybe if another team gets in there, and then I think the third part is the Ravens may be more willing than people realize to 
to move on from him. You've mentioned during the season the relationship seems fractured. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, and then if I was doing a long-term deal with him, I would guarantee some, but you don't want to go too deep in the guarantees because he's been missing games and right. he may in the future. So what do you think uh, about this, the non-exclusive, put yourself in the GM chair uh, here and, and give us the, give us the analysis. Well, first off, I would have done the exact same thing. I was asked on the radio show the other day, what I would do at the end of the day. And this is exactly what I would have done. I would not have given him the, the, exclusive tag i just think this kind of gets the clock rolling on lamar either being here or not and he'll either get what he wants or he won't and i think that door will close you know over the next couple months one way or another i think all the points you bring up are good i don't disagree with any of them but it is complicated um i actually think it might be less about him wearing down in in, in missing some games i don't know that that really bothers yeah. him everybody understands his style of play um i think there might be a little bit of a misjudging of the market by lamar and and whoever is advising him i found it interesting that i, I read and i think you're going to hit on a couple of these things later that the union is kind of behind him and communicating with him of course they're going to want him to stand on that hill of a fully guaranteed deal. oh yeah they're going to want that regardless of if it's good for lamar or not because they want that to there for the big picture of all yep. the precedent-setting deals that that could be involved in. And, and and the other thing is, Lamar has to find a way to, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? I, 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 let me just backtrack. A lot of ex-player analysis has been that this is their best chance to get back at ownership and that the Ravens should pay. They have to do this because he's a former MVP. He's the only option yeah. they have. I'll agree with the fact that he's the only option they have. But I don't believe, like you said, I, I, I agree that I don't think they're going to give him a fully guaranteed deal. But I think the whole question comes down to this for me. I think it's about his skill set and the style of play that they have to play to get the most out of Lamar. And I'm not sure at the end of the day that skill set or this style is going to win you Super Bowls. Now, it's always said, it's all oh, they need to put more people around him. They need to do this. They need to do that. I understand you can always build a better roster. But at the end of the day, can you win a Super Bowl playing offensive football like this? I'm just not sure. And therefore, I think there's some hesitation there. Now, John Harbaugh would tell you, yes, he's my guy. I'm going all in. I understand that. I would want the coach to back him in any way. I'm not sure at the end of the day that management feels the same way, that this is the style of offense that we're going to run and we're going to win Super Bowls with this. So at the end of the day, have they made – have they given themselves options? That would be the one question I have because I don't think they have given themselves any options. I think you're right. They're probably going to match any deal short of a guarantee, a fully guaranteed deal um, because they don't have any options. But I guess you could say if they took two number one picks, they'd find a way uh, to get in the quarterback mix maybe a year from now. I would think, and I'm, I'm kind of surmising here, Mike, and you, you've talked to more people than me. I would think that Eric DaCosta has to have opened a dialogue with some quarterback that's out there or two or three just to cover himself in case some crazy deal comes down to where they just say, we can't do this. And we all know that we can't then pick up the phone and get in on a deal. You'd better have something, have, have talked a little bit about that. They're allowing Lamar to go shop. They need to be able to shop too. One of the fascinating things about this, Randy, is uh, the, the, to me that Lamar doesn't have an agent. At the Combine, you just yeah. spent a week there and all of these deals and things get done there or hashed out. I mean, a year ago today that we're recording, 
the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson to Denver. Well, George Payton, the GM of the Broncos, and John Snyder, the GM of the Seahawks, met physically, you know, in the same room in uh, in India. So much business gets done there. I think that's an interesting component because you know you've been through a million of these things. I mean, I I mean, shoot, when I first started covering the Seahawks, you were. Uh, you know, in the front office there and the Joey Galloway thing. Remember the all of that? And I can remember, shoot, I think I just met my my future and current wife there. I spent more time talking to Joey's agent, Eric Metz, than I was talking to my wife. I mean, we were talking all the time. Oh, hey, what's going on? What's the, what's this or that? Right. I just, how does, how does, some, this is complicated stuff. Like, yeah. like normally an agent would be laying the groundwork. You'd have relationships and trust with people throughout the league. You'd be able to get a feel for the market. You'd be able to talk to Miami on the down low and say, look, is there any chance you guys will be in on this? Lamar can't practically do that. Uh, how much does that impede the ability for something to happen here? I think it's a giant imposition. It's the first thing I thought about when the Ravens chose this road to go down. I'm thinking, I hope Lamar hires an agent. It's one thing to represent yourself with an employer that you kind of know and trust and have been around for a few years. It's another to wade out into these shark infested waters of, of the NFL business world as a, as a restricted free agent in this case. And that's really what he is. He can get a new deal wherever he wants. I would not want, even as an expert negotiator, and I've done thousands of deals, I wouldn't want to put myself in that position without a wingman, without somebody to bounce things off of. And I understand he has the union and maybe his mom and whoever else, but I would want a seasoned guy leading the way. I, I got to thinking, as a GM, what do you do if you want to make a deal, figuratively? Yeah, do you, you call Lamar Jackson? Lamar? What are you going to talk, talk to Lamar Jackson? I mean- that, that sounds crazy. Talk about awkward. I mean, the dialogue is going to be, I don't know what it would be like figuratively. It, it just, it's crazy. But I, I would hope, and I don't know if he will, but I would hope he would hire some representation to help him navigate this stuff. Um, it seems impossible. It's really right? new. And, and, and we've had players, Bobby Wagner negotiated with the Seahawks. We've had others that have negotiated with employers as well. This is a different deal. This is a, a higher level multifaceted, multi-level, you may have five irons in the fire at once. And for a, a player to say, I'm going to navigate this myself, I think that's that's hard, man. That's really hard. So I feel I feel yeah. bad for him if he's going to do this. I think he should hire somebody to really help him in this instance. Yeah. I, I just I I don't know what another team does to your point. Like if you really yeah. wanted to do this, but you want confidentiality because you maybe already have a quarterback or or you just want to sort of figure out, hey, what is it actually going to take? Because like we may be in on it for a certain level. Uh, hey, what? Is, how far will the Ravens go? Right? If there's an agent, they know the answer to these questions. Yep. Hey, you know what? Here's what the Ra- If you want to do this deal and get it done, here's what you do, and and the Ravens will stop at this level, right? Well, if I'm a team now, I'm, I'm going to call Lamar and ask him. Hey, it, what? Do you, yeah, yeah. And here's the other thing, Mike. With regard to that, if you had an agent. He would have already covered all this. So you would have ended your negotiations with the Ravens already knowing what's out there. And maybe maybe Lamar did that. Maybe he went out and searched all these other, but he can't do that because it's tampering. <laughs> so no one's going to take his call or vice versa, but an agent can make some of those calls oh, ahead of time yeah. and, and gather the information. It's yep. It may turn out that the best deal he has is the one they offered, but you should know that ahead of time if you can't. Yep. So there's been a lot of kind of, uh, 
you know, dust up, I, I would say, in social media over some of these reports that came out saying this team's not into Lamar, this team's yeah. not in Lamar. Uh, and people going, oh, well, how could people not be interested in, in Lamar Jackson? Um, number one, I don't read it. I don't take those literally. I mean, I think if a team is interested, they're not going to tell their beat reporter or somebody that they're interested. This is a <laughs> situation. Uh, you know, With so all not, due respect, you don't think? I don't think so. If you got an interest, <laughs> that ain't happening. So I don't put anything into that. Uh, uh, but But it still comes down to, if I'm another team, I have to do a deal so rich that Lamar Jackson will accept it without really maybe even being able to talk to Lamar beforehand or his agent to find out what that would be. And then it has to be so big that the Ravens won't match it. And right. then we have to be comfortable doing all of that and giving up two first round picks uh, to do it while taking on the contract. That's not easy. It's a big ask. There's a lot of moving parts. I'm telling you. And, and I don't, I don't know that a deal could be put together and maybe that's part of the Ravens thinking, right? Maybe yeah. they'll just say, Hey, we're going to put this out there. We're going to allow you to shop yourself Lamar any way you want. It's enormous. And so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that yeah. a deal can be put together that, that, that truly, again, I don't know what Lamar's feelings are. Does he want to stay? Does he want to go? You know, no team's going to sign him to a deal that they think the Ravens are going to match because that's wasting everybody's time. So they're going to want to put some poison in there that makes it really hard for the Ravens to swallow. And if I'm Lamar, do I really want to do that? You know, I don't know. I just, I get, I, I know I could work this out with an agent. I don't know if I could work it out with a player. Yeah. And so for, for me, the idea of a fully guaranteed deal, uh, you know, shoot, Kirk Cousins did a three-year one. I guess if I was a team that was really desperate, I, I might do that. But, uh, yeah. but beyond that, I, I just don't see why a team would do that. And uh, you know, people are going to talk about collusion in the league. Well, yeah, I don't. I think the league, the owners for sure don't want to have another fully guaranteed deal, right? That's a big priority. Well, I agree with that. I don't think there's any collusion to it. I think that's just business sense, and you'd hope they all have that. But yeah. Well, it was pointed out to me that Denver's new ownership said right away that uh, they were not uh, they were not going to do a fully guaranteed deal, and 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 you'd you'd wonder how they got that idea not to do one. It's not like those guys have been in the league for a long time. That was the one thing I thought that, huh, they must've been talking to somebody, whether that's collusion or not. I think it is a priority for the teams to not do it. And um, I don't think anyone's doing it with him. So. Yeah. I, I, I'll be shocked if somebody does it, especially after we now are two years into the Deshaun Watson deal and the, the, the workup that it's taken to get owners and people yeah. Back on the Brown side still hasn't happened yet. And not that these owners care, but they do have respect. And and I don't think anybody wants to go down that road right now. I don't know if that's collusion. That's just, like yeah. I say, that's just business 101. I think somebody would surely do it for Patrick Mahomes or, you know, well, somebody yeah. who's completely going to change the, the game. But like you said, you got to play a certain way with Lamar Jackson. The last thing on this, do you think you could play a different way with Lamar Jackson and just be more of a conventional offense? And, and... I don't I don't think so. I, I think this yeah. is the skill set that got him where he's at and got them. And, and I'm not disparaging it at all. It's he was an MVP doing things his way. I just don't know if the passing game will ever involve um, at the level that you need to, to be able to win Super Bowls. That's all. So yeah, it's, we'll it's, a, it's a choice. Yeah. What kind of ice cream do you like? And I don't know that that, that ice cream is going to be chosen by a lot of teams. So the yeah. market is probably going to be more. It'll be less than, than people think both from the amount of teams interested and I think from the amount of money that's going to be demanded. I just don't see a lot of people lining up to play football this way. To me, it's an owner who wants star power in his market. 
and it becomes not a football decision. That's why I thought it would be, you know, potentially somebody like a Stephen Ross or, you know, Miami. One of the, I thought of an Arthur Blank or just, just yeah. somebody who wants to really be on the map and isn't thinking as much about the football consideration, right? And yeah. so we'll, we'll see if right. that happens, but I, I don't know. Do they, like we said, do they call Lamar directly? Let's get into the New York Giants. They do a four-year, $160 million deal with Daniel Jones. They use the franchise tag on their running back, Saquon Barkley. Looks like a pretty good deal for Daniel Jones. His average per year is number seven in the NFL. But like we talked about with some of these deals, team could cut him after two years. They'd save $21.5 million under the cap in the third year. They'd carry about $18 million in dead money. Easily done if you wanted to move on. Not saying that that's what they plan to do. I'm sure they hope uh, Daniel Jones will do great, but this is not one that ties the hands of the organization uh, the way like a Russell Wilson deal has uh, with Denver. What do you think of this deal, that number, those sorts of things? Just what's your overall take on Daniel Jones? Well, I, I actually am a Daniel Jones fan, and, and I think you know we talked about this a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. As a guy that if I was Seattle and Russell Wilson had put the Giants on that list of places he would go to, I thought this would make some sense for Seattle. He's progressed from there to the point where now it's obvious that the Giants didn't want to take a left turn. They've invested a year in this guy and he's come a long ways. They want to continue to move on in that vein. They think he can get better. Um, You mentioned the numbers and where they come in at. The NFC East is up for grabs. I don't care really what anybody says. The Eagles are what they are. They're fixing to go through another kind of roster rethink a little bit. They're going to lose some players. The Cowboys aren't what some have thought they were. Dak is not where he was. The Commodores or the Commanders are are completely, you know, wandering in quarterback space right now. They have no answers for what they're doing. So I think this is a good move by the Giants. I really do. And, and, the numbers coming in when you really evaluate them tells me it's not a bad business move either. So yeah. they've staved off making a change. They've staved off, like we said initially at the top of the pod, you don't have to take a step back at the position. They're, they're solid there. They keep Barkley. They were willing to pay Daniel more in order to put the tag on Barkley. I guarantee you whatever it took to get it done. So I think it's a pretty clear move that, Hey, it's, it's, Daniel Jones was better for the Giants than any other options that were out there. And I totally agree. Yeah. And so I think just get him some weapons too, right? I mean, he made, they made oh, some yeah. progress. They played a certain way, but they, they really didn't start. They were not a team that came in and just ramped up right away. They, they were kind of, you know, doing nothing uh, by design. They had a couple high draft picks, but they, they were going to wait and let the, I think the cap situation and all That's, of that just sort of reset itself. So yeah, they, had to, they had to wait the cap out. They had to wait it all out this year and couldn't even really put a spin on anything. So the progress they made was really just based on coaching. They haven't upgraded the roster like I think they will in the, over the next couple of years. Yeah, totally. So we'll, we may see we may see another level of Daniel Jones because of that. Uh, and like I said, without having to just be totally upside down um, on the contract situation. So. <laughs> Can I say one thing, Mike? Yeah, and yeah. again, I, I don't want to go back to beat up analysis that we hear around the dial, but a lot of a lot of people's initial reaction was, oh, this is crazy. How can they pay Daniel Jones $40 million, blah, blah, blah. You've got to look at the options. You've got to look at your options, not what makes sense to, to somebody on TV or radio or something like that, because they don't know yeah. all the options. Yeah. This option was better for them than Derek Carr. It was better for them yep. than 
Geno Smith. It was better for them than Baker Mayfield. Keep going. Name anybody else that's going to be free. It was a better option for them. And it gave them a little bit of a, a chance to keep Saquon Barkley, too. So as a team builder, it makes more sense than as an individual one-off evaluation. That's a problem. And a lot of people on the outside see these as one-off evaluations. They're not. They're part of a big team build. Yeah. My favorite one, Randy, is, oh, this is ridiculous. Daniel Jones is earning more than Lamar Jackson. I'm like, yeah, do you think that Lamar would would accept Daniel Jones' deal? Uh, he could make more than him tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it, it is what it is. And right. uh, like you said, what were they going to do, bring in – somebody who's a similar type talent or not quite as good, who doesn't fit them. Um, I, I do think this makes sense. I thought, you know, I wasn't sure where the number would come in, but I think with the flexibility they get to be able to, to, to really be into him for two solid years, uh, that works for me. And, the key uh, is the structure, not the overall dollars. The key is yeah. the structure and the options it present down the road. Totally. And they have options yet. Daniel Jones gets a nice commitment. He, he's going to be their quarterback this season, and he's probably going to be their quarterback the next season. He gets a, a good two-year run to 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 really see Bet on himself. Yeah. And he's betting on himself again. And he's betting on himself, and after two years, he's going to have $82 million. So that's a pretty good bet. <laughs> that's pretty good for him. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Okay, Seahawks re-signed Geno Smith. Uh, this one was three years and $75 million on paper. $25 million a year is number 16 in the NFL. But there's greater flexibility than even the Daniel Jones and Derek Carr one has. The Seahawks, I think, uh, could still draft a quarterback this year if they wanted to. Uh, I don't think this is a complete uh, total commitment. It's probably a couple years, but it could be less if they wanted to. I, I thought he was a good fit for them, way better than for a different team. And then the other thing is, I do believe that that I do believe in rewarding people who do things sort of the right way in your program. And I can't think of anybody almost like Geno Smith, you know, who's been through what he's been through and then played 
pretty well and just sort of handled his business professionally. And and look, I don't think anybody in Seattle probably thinks he's their long-term quarterback for the next five years, but certainly can be a, a good bridge quarterback who they, they were able to win with even without having a good uh, defense last year. So what do you think about that? And what do you think about this deal? I agree with you on, on most of those fronts. I think he was worth more to them than anybody else. No one, like you yep. said, nobody was going to pay Gino. Um, they're not going to pay any player that works in the dark for 10 years and has no production and all of a sudden comes out after a couple failed attempts prior to that. Yeah. And and, and now comes out out of the closet to, to produce like he did one year. No one was going to pay this that kind of money. But it makes sense for them. I understand why they did it. You've got a 70-year-old coach who's going to resist a lot of change. I get it. He doesn't want to take a step back. Um, for the most part, he keeps his guy. They keep their offense intact. They're not good enough. So they've got to still find ways to produce and to build around him. These cap numbers allow them to do that. I think the key for Seattle is, you know, much respect to, to Pete's wishes of minimizing change. They've got to find a way to still get better. So they've got to be aggressive in some other areas. That that's a hard that's a hard line for the team to hold in that you're minimizing change in some areas, but you got to be aggressive in others to try to get better. Um, so that's always a struggle. But I think that I like the deal. Again, I, it's all about the structure. It's not about the total dollars. It gives them options. They may or may not draft a quarterback this year. I don't think they'll pick one in the first round. That may not make sense, but they might pick one later. Or they might, like you said, wait a year and decide to solve it then. Hey, they most people thought they should have picked one last year after they sent uh, Russell to, to Denver. And they figured out a way to make it work with Geno. So I'm trusting of these guys. I'm trusting of John. I'm trusting of Pete. I think they know what they're doing. And I don't think they've gone out on a limb. When you look at three years, seventy-five million on paper, probably fair enough for, for them. Could he have gotten that on the open market? Probably not, but it means more to them, and so I understand it. And it's less than the franchise tag number. Now, the one thing I, I do agree—the older coach not wanting to change—but geez, a year ago today was the biggest change maybe in this history of the franchise. Russell Wilson. Do you take that into account? In, uh, oh, in you know, yeah, I think that when it gotten personal and they had no yeah. choice, that had to move. They had to move on. But yes, I agree with you, and I'm not. Yeah marriaging Pete from that at all. I'm just saying most of the time an older coach is going to resist change. He's going to as much as he can to, to, to favor the status quo. And then the other thing is when you make that big of a move, right, Randy, and get the picks that they got, do you feel like organizationally those picks need to lead to your next long-term franchise quarterback? Or do you feel like, oh, no, they could just – take a defensive lineman this year and move on. Cause if they do that, then they get through the Russell Wilson picks basically without, I mean, they get, you know, the, the, without getting their next guy, right? How do you feel about that? Like they have to get their guy out of that trade. I don't feel like they do Mike. And I think when you start reaching to fill a need, that's when you make, that's when you make mistakes. I think they need a lot of things. Yeah. Do they need a quarterback of the future? Yes. But they don't have to force anything right now. Everybody says there's three or four quarterbacks worth picking in the top 10 this year. That's their opinion. The Seahawks might see it totally different. And that doesn't mean anybody's wrong or right. It's just the flavor they've chosen. So I would not, I would not think that they will force a quarterback early in this draft. That part doesn't make sense. I think they are of the oak that we got to find the best players we can to build this thing going forward. And that's why I said they've still got to get better in a lot of areas. I think they know Geno can get them by. Geno's not going to, they're not going to win because of Geno. But he can sure get him by for a couple of years if they build up everything around him. 
And I don't think they have to draft a quarterback yeah. this year or next year. They've got to find a better option, a more long-term option than Geno. Who knows how that, what, how that might present itself to them. Are you worried about him falling off? I know you've looked at him. Or you know, he had a good year. Maybe it wasn't as good later in the year. Or how how much can you bank on him being kind of what he was last year? Do you have a feel? Well, it depends. There was a lot of inconsistencies last year too. I mean, I put on the Kansas City film the other day when they played the Chiefs in Kansas City, and that was not pretty. I mean, he forced some decisions. He made some things that would make me nervous. But again, what what were their options? Derek Carr. They determined that this, how about this? They determined that Gino is, they'd rather have him than Derek Carr. Because I guarantee you they could have paid Derek Carr the money that New Orleans paid him. But they decided they wanted Gino. So the things that bother me about Gino are the up and downs, are the, the, the inconsistencies. I'll tell you what he does have is he has a really strong arm. He can make all the throws. He's fairly athletic. And he knows a system that they run there, and he's pretty comfortable with it. He's going to have to find a, a way to iron out some of those other things, but that comes with playing too. And don't forget, we've said it, he hasn't played for 10 years. That sounds crazy. It's, I can't believe it's it. It's extremely shocking to me what he did last year. You know, yeah. but as I watched it without your expertise, but just watching it, I was like, well, the passes seem to be accurate when he throws them. It's, it didn't seem like it was unsustainable things, you know, that, that was happening. It wasn't like it was all a bunch of play action or they had this amazing running game. It seemed like he was just better than I thought. And it was funny. I was going back and forth with a couple of people today um, in the league. And uh, when you look at the NFC West, what quarterback situation are you signing up for uh, as your favorite ones? Because the Rams are going to give $60 million fully guaranteed to Matthew Stafford uh, here to keep him and he's missed 16 games the last four years and his head coach, who knows if he's going to keep going and they don't have an offensive line, Arizona, Kyler Murray, you're kidding me. You want that deal? 49ers. We'd love to have Brock Purdy, but we don't know if he can throw a pass. We don't know what the future, the future is going to be. We don't know what Trey Lance is. And so really for where Seattle's at in this division, they're probably not going to beat the 49ers in the division, but, uh, shoot their quarterback situation with some flexibility of a pick who knows, um, isn't as bad as you would think looking at it as, hey, we got Geno Smith, to me at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an average situation, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. And again, depends what game you saw Geno in. Um, I would be hard-pressed not to pick the 49ers as the best group, and and I understand the Purdy injury. Also, I'd rather have Matthew Stafford than any of them, but I understand that's comes with some medical risk as well. But don't forget, Matthew Stafford had medical risk for 10 years in Detroit. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just his game. He's going to play hurt. He's tough. Yeah. I don't, I'm assuming they just redid his deal last year that they're going to get another two or three years out of Matt Stafford. That's that's my assumption. So for me, he's the best in, in the business, in the in NFC. The division. Yeah. 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 And I would pick Purdy second. And then I guess you'd pick Geno third. I'm not a Kyler guy. And I think we've talked about that. That's just not a, a style that I want to play. Um, but he has talent. I understand it. I don't know if I'm willing to put Gino at the front like like your source did, but I can understand how people feel okay about it. Yeah, I just I don't love sixty million dollars fully guaranteed for Stafford with where he's at, but we'll see. Now the Purdy one, he could be. He he could. I'm be less fine. worried. I'm less worried about the money. More worried about yeah. the performance on the field yeah, as yeah. a GM. I want to see who's the best. That's yeah, what I want to yeah. see. Yep. Let's forget to pay for a minute. Yep. Okay. The Saints getting Derek Carr. We talked about it a little bit. Four years, one hundred and fifty million on paper. $37.5 million average per year is about 10th in the league. But a lot of people pointed out uh, to me 
agents, people in the in the league. It's basically two years, sixty million dollars. The team, if they want to get out of that in the going into the third year, they save about twenty nine million against the twenty twenty five cap. Only seventeen million dead money, so they buy themselves some time. There's fifty million dollars tacked into the fourth year to make everybody feel good about the numbers. Kind of like this for the Saints, and look around that division. How do you like the quarterback situations there? It looks pretty good to have Derek Carr. 100%. I totally agree. I thought this was a great example of, and we always say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but education is expensive, right? The Saints played this, <laughs> played the Raiders like a drum. <laughs> I chuckled when they gave Carr permission to go to, to, to New Orleans, and I think we may have talked about it at the time. They had no intent of making a trade for Derek Carr. We're going to bring him there. We're going to recruit him for two days. We're going to get him a physical. We're going to get to know him. We're going to get a jump on free agency like no other. And the Raiders allowed that to happen, thinking that that Derek Carr would uh, pass up the no trade clause and allow himself to be traded to the team where where they were going to give up picks to get him when he could walk in there on the first day of free agency or sooner, like we found out, and be totally unencumbered by any picks. So I just thought Mickey Loomis, the Saints – played the Raiders front office a little bit and the Raiders had no leverage. So they had no position to stand on once the no trade clause was included in his deal. And these teams sometimes just throw around these no trade clauses, like, like candy, like we'll never use that. Worry about it. I got news for you. It came back to haunt the Raiders and they can say what they want. It cost them draft picks for putting a no trade clause in, in Derek Carr's contract. So I like the signing. It's an easy upgrade for the saints. In my opinion, they were going nowhere with what they had. Um, I think it takes him from really last in the division, like you said, to maybe first in the division at the quarterback position. Yeah. No, I, I like it too. I, I think that's just a weird – so weird the way the whole thing went down with the Raiders, right? And and now I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo, like people seem to think, or or, or whatever. I did want to say, though, on this Derek Carr thing, because he, he was a potential, you know, potential candidate for the Jets as well. And you had said something interesting uh, I believe during one of our podcasts before the Super Bowl that you just didn't think the Jets were going to be the destination for quarterbacks that people thought they would be. You really downplayed whether a Derek Carr would go there or even Aaron Rodgers, maybe. We'll, and we'll see. That's not over. What do you think about the Jets' handling of this? Because I assume they could have maybe stepped up with some more money or, or something and, and at least been in it more. But they they bowed out and now they're waiting for Rodgers. How do you kind of see them in relation to Carr, Rodgers, just the whole approach? Well, I think, and they've been here before, they've kind of been the, the team that gets used, right? Everybody talks yeah. about them. They, they want them in the equation. Everybody knows that they might throw out a big check, um, but nobody wants to go there. So I think in Carr's case, he knew early on he wanted to go to the Saints. I think he drummed up some some competition with the Jets, but what really drummed up some competition was Carolina. When he met with them, that also gave the Saints – a yeah. little bit of a notion that, hey, let's pay them, let's get it done. I think the only way the Jets could have made this work is to give him a check and not let him leave the door, leave the office when he was in New York to visit with them. I thought that was their only play. And when they didn't do that, I didn't think they'd ever come back around to, to, to him. Um, I don't know if he told them that at that time, but I heard a lot of Jet fans say, hey, let's, what would it take for him not to leave the building? And I thought about that long and hard because, as you know, we did that one time in Seattle. We signed Chad Brown away from the Steelers. He was our first visit for us, the first day of free agency. Yeah. We picked him up at midnight in Paul Allen's plane. We brought him to Seattle. We never let him leave the office. But it took 
Mickey and I sliding a check of $7 million across the table, real money. And we said, you can walk, but if you leave this, the next guy was Michael Barrow coming the next day. He's going to get this check. And, and I remember Chad and Peter Schaefer saying, let's order some sushi. We can make this work. You know, <laughs> uh, is that, doesn't that, what does that feel like to slide a check like that across uh, the table? You feel like a pretty much a big shot when you got to do that or how? Well, how that yeah. Work? Coming from a little logging town in Northern <laughs> Idaho, I felt pretty rich. I thought it was pretty outstanding to be honest with you. And that's, that's the only way the jets could have made it happen, but yeah. it probably would have taken a check for about a hundred minutes. <laughs> 20 years later, slide that across and, and then Derek Carr would have had, Hmm, that's something I got to think about now. Yeah. So do you think that they're still just going to sort of be used here? And I know you liked Mike white a little bit, you know, just as somebody you could, you could bring back. I They've do. got a good defense. I mean, do you think, I guess, what are the odds, you know, that their starter next year might be somebody like that? Well, it could be, uh, we're stealing a little bit from the GM notebook here, but I don't have any problem talking about it because we haven't really got into the Aaron Rodgers stuff. I can't believe we're 45 minutes into a podcast and we haven't mentioned. Well, I was dancing around McAfee or Aaron Rodgers, but maybe that was your well, goal. Well, I didn't want to tell everybody that I peaked at the third item of the GM notebook was we've <laughs> gone through this whole podcast and haven't mentioned Aaron Rodgers seriously. So I was tiptoeing around it. I didn't want to blow. But now that, now that I've been exposed for peaking <laughs> in the GM notebook, um, it is an interesting situation for the Jets. I mean, they've created this expectation almost that, oh, we're going to get, you know, it's almost going to feel like a big letdown if they don't get him. But I never really knew if that was something in their control anyway, you know? Well, yeah, I think, it, I think it's still in Aaron Rodgers' control. But w when you really analyze it, what are his other options? Where else is he going to go? Is there a team on the West Coast that's going to slide in here somewhere and, and give the Packers something for Aaron Rodgers? I don't see that happening. Uh, haven't some already committed to other quarterbacks? So, Maybe the Raiders. I don't know if that's they, – they've kind of chosen a different route already. I don't know. Um, so I don't – the Jets might win this by default. Uh, yeah, do we think that he's going to be traded, though, for sure? I've, I've felt like the, uh, the Packers are kind of done with him. Uh, but if he's not done with them, then they've got an issue. If he Because I think he likes controlling them. I like. I think he. You think? I think he. Yeah, he <laughs> likes that whole thing, but he may not actually want to give that up, right? And go and go somewhere else. Even though he'd have great control of the Jets, I think he just sort of has the Packers in a spot all the time. And for him to want to go to the, for him to be traded, he has to kind of give the go ahead on it. If he says, "I love being a Packer," he's sort of the good guy in the whole arrangement. But the, then the Packers are just sort of. Not that you're stuck with Aaron Rodgers, but you're kind of stuck with Aaron Rodgers. I just don't believe that he's going to force a trade of the Jets. What do you, even though he could, but I'm, I'm not convinced. What do you think? Well, I agree. I don't think that was his intent to force a trade to the Jets, but where else are you going to force a trade to? Well, I always yeah. thought my secret spot was Tennessee, and they've already committed to Ryan Tannehill now. So that one's a whole other can of worms. But well, what, I don't know where else can he go. Right. But does he have to go anywhere? Can he just stay where he's at? He can, but the fact that they've opened this can and allowed the Jets to talk to him tells me that you're correct and that they are kind of ready to move on. Yeah, I so, think they are. I think they are. And then I just not sure. I'm not sure how much he is, I guess, just to any situation. Well, his actions have led me to believe that, you know, he's trying to talk himself out of the door the last couple of years. No, no doubt. They've had no choice. They made a deal with the devil last year when they signed him to this contract. So they've had to live with it. And, I don't know. I, 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 is there no other team that wants Aaron Rodgers? Only the Jets. That's what it's come down to. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a great question. I think there's some limitations in the in the NFC. You know, uh, I think if the if the Packers want to move on, they're going to trade him to the place that gives him the best deal. So I know it sounds great to not trade him to an a NFC team, but they've had to be confident in their sure. own abilities to evaluate people and players. That I, I'm not going to. I'd rather trade him for something than release him for nothing. So what happens if if the Jets if he says nope, I'm not going to the Jets? Then what's the next move? Well, they're not going to release him. I mean, what are they going to do? Going to be their quarterback, right? I guess. I mean, that that's that's a lot of meandering river that has crossed under the bridge now, and now we're back to square one to be yeah. on McAfee every Tuesday and the State of the Union every week, and we're living that life again. I think he likes that life, you know. Well, I know he likes it, but I guarantee you, one guy that doesn't like it, that'd be the GM and and the president and the rest right. of those people in the front office. But as I we, don't know how to get out of it. But as we talked about when they configured the front office the way they did, there's not a real accountability check in there anyway. I mean, who's yeah. who's in charge? Yeah. Who's making the decision? Because if it if it is the GM, who's going to step up there and and get rid of Aaron Rodgers? Who's doing it? Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, Matt Lafleur, probably Russ not. Ball? Aaron's the only one that can get rid of himself. Right, yeah. and that's the issue. He's got he's got control. He's the GM of the team. Well, yeah, and, and again, the con he has control of his contract, and they've led him down that road. So. He does have the final say. There's no doubt about that. I just don't. Just when you look at the way they're set up, I don't see. I just want to know who's going to make the move in Green Bay because that has to be an organizational decision. They don't have a. They have a GM, but they don't have somebody who just makes the decision. Right. My opinion. Or or an owner standing over him and says, "Hey, what are we going to do, boys? Yeah. What are uh, we going to do? I think it's fascinating. <laughs> I think it's yeah. just really fascinating because Rodgers is unified. He's got his. David Dunn's involved, his agent, but basically Roger, it's Rogers against this. It's not even a triumvirate. It's like more than that. I guess it is a triumvirate, but uh, just fascinating to see. And I guess I'll believe it when I see it, that he, he's going to go put on a jet uniform next season. Maybe he will. Hey, I, I'm going to fall back to my old line. There's something we don't know, the knowing of yeah. which changes everything. Yeah, no doubt about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, knowing what the third item of the GM notebook was, why don't you tell us uh, what else you got in there this week? Well, one of the things I had in there was that when I read the Titans are shopping Derrick Henry, that's a change of offensive philosophy and a departure from what the last seven or eight years, if that happens. I don't know that they're going to find takers, but um, that is a major story in my mind because Derrick Henry is the Titans. He's their number one asset and has been. Um, but it sounds to me like they're going to go some different directions. Now, I don't know if there's truth to that, but the fact that it got out there and the fact that they've already said they're, they want that Ryan Tannehill is their guy at what, 37 million against the cap. Um, I guess the next, the next shoot a drop would be to go to Derek and say, Hey, do you want to stay here for less money? Is that the next step? If they find no takers, I don't know. I just find all of these moves 
within clubs kind of fascinating because it's hard to get people on your own team to take pay cuts and not bruise egos. And, and that's rare. Especially when you're a big time producer like that and the whole team runs through you, you know? Yes. And has for years. That's a very interesting. So he has a $10.5 million base salary, $16.4 million cap number for Tennessee, which is pretty big. But more than that, he doesn't just define their books. He he, he defines how they play. They have to play a certain right. way with him. We're it's, talking, it's, it's a philosophy. It's total philosophy. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. He he limits them in some ways, even though he gives them what they are, right? He, he defines yeah. what they are, so... Um, it, it, you could make the same case in Lamar Jackson's case. He does limit them a little bit, but he is what they are. Yeah, it's just better and worse. You know, million dollar base instead of sixteen, and it's mostly for better. But there is a, it's not for everybody, right? And I think the Titans will want to evolve away from that. I think it's surprising, really, probably that Derrick Henry's been this good for this long. You know, credit for him, he's been productive. Uh, when right. a lot of times those guys fall off, so we'll see if he has another great year in him. But they are at a point there. What else he got in the notebook? Well, just the other one that this day, this day on the calendar, or these these days on the calendar, are also filled with cap reductions around the league, and, and I think we're going to see start to see some some players released and designated with that June one release, uh, so yeah. that they can spread cap into next year. And a couple guys who I think will fall in that category probably are Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas and maybe Michael Thomas in in the new Orleans. I don't think those two guys will be back with their teams. Again, it comes down to pay cuts. Um, egos are involved. Pride is involved. I think probably those two are headed for June one designations and releases. And for the listeners, if you don't understand that, it just means they can spread out the cap. Um, when they release a guy, if they released him now, they'd take it all this year. If they release him in June one, they push half of it in or the balance of it about the half of the balance into 2024. So it's a way of cap counting yeah. and moving some charge off into a future year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's been kind of a long time coming on that one. Kyle, you think about how good Michael Thomas was, you know, <laughs> just sort well, of Zeke too. I mean, Zeke. Zeke carried him for years and so did Michael. And maybe we end up with Derek Henry in the same boat. I don't know. It's just this business, the way it's set up now, you do pay stars and they get a lot of money. But it is sad when it comes to, to this that you can't have them all forever. And, and there's a lot of emotion attached to some of these releases for GMs and for front office people, too. It's not easy. Not going to be easy for Mickey to go into Michael Thomas and say, we got to re- release you. It's not going to be easy for Jerry to tell Zeke, I, we got to move on. I know they'd love to find a way to reduce salaries, but that's just easier said than done. So we, we've made it through our topics pretty efficiently, Randy. Should I use the time? To sort of remember, remember when I alluded to the evil Knievel story that I had, <laughs> and we had people asking us, "Sando, you hung out with evil Knievel? What the heck?" I think it's the perfect time to share that story with the listeners. Okay. Yeah, they, uh, Marissa can cut it out if she wants to. It's not very good. But did I tell you? So, so I'll set this up. So, if you're of a certain generation, you obviously know who evil Knievel was. As a kid, for me, growing up, uh, way back in the in the seventies. I know you're a lot younger than that, Randy, but, uh, uh, wink, wink, but, uh, evil Knievel, Elvis Presley, Muhammad Ali. They're just certain iconic people that were so famous. You could just basically say their first name, right. Or even to an extent, Sugar Ray Leonard back then, there were just certain people that, that resonated with everybody. And for, for me as a kid, evil Knievel jumping over buses and, you know, we had the little toys and stuff. I mean, it was just an iconic person. So, uh, when I was going to 
little mighty Whitworth College uh, in Spokane, Washington, <laughs> not far from where you hang out some of the time, uh, Randy. Uh, it had come to my attention that Evil Knievel would sometimes be in town there. He's a Montana guy. He would actually mm -hmm. come over to the Spokane area, and he, he had this girlfriend that was like a, a college golf star, and they would hustle golf. It, now, Evil Knievel was like a safe cracker back in the day. I mean, this guy lived on the the, the margins. He lived on the edge. He yeah. spent a few nights in jail. Let's just put it that way. You know, <laughs> was it Butte, Montana? Is that where he's I from? I think Butte? he's from Butte, Montana. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, Butte, Montana, Montana Interstate ninety goes right through Seattle, Spokane, Montana. So he would be other times. He would see this like fancy European car, sports car, outside of one of the watering holes downtown. You knew Evil was in there having a couple cold ones or, or uh, <laughs> having a, having probably some really stiff drinks right and the guy broke every bone in his body he probably needed that to not be able to to just be able mm -hmm. to function but he would hustle golf down at indian canyon golf course you ever played indian canyon beautiful golf course there oh man too many times in spokane yep. yeah i've got left a few golf balls out there tight fairways but anyway back in the day then so early 90s i think i was about 23 years old i used to always get the fights the pay-per-view fights in my little apartment had a roommate. My half of the rent in this apartment was 150 bucks, Randy. That tells you how nice of an apartment. We <laughs> were was. living high on the living large, high, yeah. man. We had a little little <laughs> deck there out there, you know, little propane uh, barbecue. But anyway, I always get the fights. So George Foreman's fighting Tommy Morrison. So I said, hey, I got the fights uh, tonight. You know, so my roommate. We'd oftentimes you'd have a few people over to defray the cost, right? You'd chip in. It might be forty nine ninety nine. You, you, you <laughs> shoot, that's a third of my rent, a third of my share of the rent. We got to defray the cost. So uh, anyway, one of my roommate's dads was a guy who lived. I uh, lived in Spokane. Was like a businessman. He, he was kind of one of those guys who had probably been a millionaire and bankrupt. But you know, he was kind of one of those guys <laughs> who just you know, had lived a lot of different life experiences. And he would always be like downtown playing cards. He'd be in card games where you might see a character. There like was a lot of those yeah. easy card places back yeah, in the day. Yeah, back in the day. So, so, yeah. uh, but I, I just knew him, you know, I, I, I didn't know any of that stuff. So when I got the fights, uh, my roommate said, Hey, can my dad come? And he's going to bring a, bring a friend. I said, sure. Come on over. I'm thinking, you know, whatever, 10 bucks each, this is going to save me 10 bucks. So <laughs> that's 20 bucks. Yeah. So I had, so, so sitting in my apartment, we're going to watch the fight. And my friend's dad comes in and his buddy's evil Knievel. <laughs> so all of a sudden I, I'm in, I'm in my apartment. You know, there's no cell phones. We don't, we, we can't, you know, you don't even, you don't want to call somebody because it's long distance. Right. I mean, back then it wasn't like you had unlimited minutes. So we're sitting there watching this whole fight. They brought about two cases of beer. Uh, I believe Evil's golf playing much younger girlfriend was there and we watched this fight and I could the whole time it was surreal. It would be like I, I'm just trying to think of who is like that now. Somebody that everybody knows who's just a complete pop icon being in your living room unexpectedly, you know, watching the fights with you. You couldn't Justin believe Bieber it. or something is in there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just you, you just you can't believe it. So yeah. we're sitting there this whole fight. And like I said, there's no cell phones. You can't take a, a picture or anything. But we had a Polaroid camera. Remember Polaroid, Polaroid cameras oh, yeah. back then? You, you press the button and then the, 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 uh, the, the print of the picture would come out like a little printer. In 60 seconds, you'd have a picture, yeah. So we all stood down there by my roommate's motorcycle and we took a picture. Uh, we took a picture with Evil, and Evil's got like a pinky ring, and he's pointing at us, and he's going, "Hey, you know, hey, you know, like he's uh, like he's the Fonz or something, you know." Uh, and so 
but we lost this picture. There's only one copy of the oh, picture, yeah. and, and Evil had signed oh. it. So my my roommate had lost this picture, and you know, we I thought we were never going to find it. So anyway, it might have even been since I alluded to this whole thing that I, that I once had Evil Knievel on the podcast. Uh, you know, I alluded on the podcast that I had him in my apartment. My old roommate texts me and goes, hey, we just moved and I found that picture of evil. He had no idea that I was even thinking about it. I found that picture. So he texted me this this uh, picture of me and evil. And it's great. I'm nicely tanned, wearing a Los Angeles Lakers t-shirt tucked into maybe a pair of jorts, you know, with a belt tucked in, looking great. Well, a typical Whitworth kid. Yeah, typical Whitworth mean. kid. You know, I, I had some hat with a turquoise brow. It just, I looked like. I look, I look bad. Awesome. I look bad, but we got this thing and, and my roommate's name was Ron and evil signed it. Something like, you know, Hey Ron, your pal, evil can evil scribbled on there. And there we are <laughs> in our glory. My roommates there with his girlfriends there, they're, they're married. They're still married uh, oh, there. And it's just the, the greatest find, you know, uh, for me to have that picture. So maybe when the podcast comes out, I'll, I'll put that picture up of us with, with evil. Who was, uh, uh, whenever I tell that story, which I'd kind of, you know, I hadn't told it for a long time, but I, I was actually mentioning to the combine of people of our generation or a certain generation, yeah. it's hard to top evil can evil being oh, yeah. in your apartment. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. so. well, there may be a lot of listeners that it falls on deaf ears, but those of <laughs> us that are 40 and older, let's just say 50 and older. Yeah. Unbelievable! That's an awesome yeah. gift. You 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 topped it right there. That's awesome. <laughs> so it was it was a, just a great memory. So you know we've made it to just about an hour here. I'm, it may, if people wanted to drop off before that, but there were enough people <laughs> asking right. enough people okay. asking about the evil Knievel story. I'll po- I'll post that picture uh, up on Twitter when we put this thing out because it's awesome. It, it was really a fun time. So anything anything else you got, Randy? I mean. No, we're good to go. I'm ha- anxious to, to get uh, to get get back on a weekly yeah. schedule. And uh, I know we've had a lot of listeners reach out to us and yeah. said we've been slacking for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, slackers. Hey. Yeah, we're a couple of slackers <laughs> out visiting local bars and doing nothing. So absolutely, let's carry yeah. on next week. I'm anxious. Absolutely. Hey, thanks everybody. Thanks Randy for coming along. If you want to check out more of Randy, find him on Twitter at Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. You can find uh, some of his columns and thoughts on MuellerFootball.com. You can watch the XFL Seattle Dragons. Uh, Randy Mueller, GM of that team. Saturday night on ESPN, baby. Saturday night on ESPN. Uh, and wh- who are you playing and what's the time? We play uh, San Antonio, mm-hmm. 6 o'clock Pacific. 6 o'clock on, uh, Pacific on ESPN. Saturday night. Absolutely great. Uh, and if you want to find more of my work on Twitter, at SandoNFL, certainly at The Athletic. Thanks, everybody, for coming along, and we will talk to you next time. This was The Athletic Football Show.